Good morning. Good, morning. Good afternoon, Hi. I guess. Hey, Ernie, we tr we we transitioned. <laughs> we transitioned to an afternoon. Yes, with greater transitions lying ahead. Happy New Year's Eve. Thank you to to you as well, and all that it might mean for finishing up a work day and or transitioning to family time in the next couple hours. Yeah, I do have a little bit of work today, but not much. Mostly, mostly these phone calls and uh, doing a family. The kids wanted to stay up till midnight, uh, which we hadn't done at home before. So that'll oh. be an exciting adventure. Uh -huh. Oh, so you can get some actually spend some for tonight. Yes, the kids said they want to. Tell you, the, the deal with the kids, you can stay up till midnight, but you actually have to spend some time with us rather than just playing <laughs> online or okay. doing your own I, thing. I get it. I get it. Yes. Uh, yeah. You doing anything fun for this evening or weekend? Uh, no. You asked an interesting question about whether we were doing something fun. Um, we are we are in such a functional um, stasis right now mm -hmm. um, that even in the best of times, trying to think about doing something fun is a challenge for for the McGriffs. Um, given current conditions, we're just surviving, and so mm. we will be kind of hanging out together. And Gloria and I decided, well, we could create some 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 great snack foods. We can create a great excuse me a dinner tonight, and we will could do a special type of a dinner tomorrow as a way of something special. That's not what we do every day. And that's about that's about it, Ernie. I think this fun. It's um, it's at least well balanced and restful, <laughs> <clears throat> or at least special. I guess special is not quite the same as fun, but yeah, yeah. But I, I you know, it's a it's a great it's a great question. Yeah, that's the one thing about having kids is there's always something to either uh, do or aspire to doing or regret not doing. <laughs> Yes. It's easy um, to think of ways for other people you have control over to have fun and have your fun yourself. We thought it would be easier or significantly different now that they are all 20, 20 years old or more. But mm -hmm. it is still much the same as when they were 16 as they were when they were 12. So mm. um, just just helps me shift my perspective of about about life through these different stages of their um, aging and maturity. Mm, interesting. So, and every return parent. to that, that could that could be a good episode title: "Shifting Perspectives." <laughs> Always um, on the lookout. Have have to be. Um, if I could never suggest to a parent. Set an expectation of what you think life is going to be like four years from now with your children and mm. stick to it. Mm -hmm. um, you'll be sorely, sorely disappointed. Or you will have missed a great opportunity to to pivot and shift with your children. Yeah, it's interesting because uh, I feel like that maybe 50 years ago or 75 years ago, yeah, maybe there was this period of time between like the 50s and 70s where that, that seemed to be the expectation of parenting. Yes. 
Uh-huh. And I don't know if it was ever the reality when you think about all the massive cultural shifts that took place in the preceding decades. But somehow when I was growing up, that, that, that myth of the 1950s household persisted into the 70s and didn't really seem to crater until the 80s. I can see and I, I think about complain about, but uh, you know, like, think about looking back now, it's just enormous shame that parents had for not having children turn out perfectly. Yeah. Something that I am not I'm not entirely immune to, nor no matter how much I think I am aware of it. Um, I would say just be aware of where your children are and where your family is, as, as opposed to understanding the bigger cultural context of, of what came before and, and led, leads to where they are today. I would just say, where are they today? And then do, do whatever it takes to be relational with them in, in, this, in this context. Yeah, 20, well, the oldest son is 25, so 25 years of experience yeah. working through these different different phases but uh, as a somewhat awkward segue that was kind of where i ended up with my conversation with janet just before this oh like in the in uh -huh. sense, like the most important thing from both a theological and a practical perspective is to just stay connected relationally and not give up on each other in the relationship and if we just do that, trust Christ to work everything else out. And um, so you just you said you'd spoken to Janet earlier today, and this was that was one of the things that you came to was just a realization that um, building building relationship, building and 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 sustaining and preserving, yeah. I think that was the, both in terms of like the practical emotional issues between Janet and I, but also in terms of I think the larger theological points that I think we both agreed with, even if we got triggered by different ways of framing it. Uh, okay. And very much we, like last week for us, or earlier this week for us, about coming together at, around the cross, in our brokenness and our need, uh, rather than trying to be right or think it all out. Okay. So overall, it was a good conversation then? Yeah, it was very good. Um, it wasn't like, uh, I'm not sure if we understood each other perfectly at every point along the way, uh, but I think we both felt honored and valued by each other. And we both felt like the other was as I, I told, uh, I'm not sure if we're if we got to the cross the same way or if we're there at the same time, but we both made it to the cross, and we're both nice. with Jesus, and that's the most important thing. And everything else is more details we can work out. Okay. Um, sounds a uh, sounds similar to um, our two previous conversations and where where we are today. Yes, and I guess the, uh, the rabid fans are wanting us to try and sort out some of those details. Oh, 
Okay. Um, you know, you know, Ernie, I thought this was going to be end up being a, a video call. Oh, sorry. I thought you mentioned that this was the last time that you preferred uh, talking so you could walk around and move your hands. I so indeed I do. And and then when I I saw your text message, and and said yeah. So when I when I said yeah, we could we could record this. I thought it shifted the paradigm. But if, ah, if not, yeah. that's fine. Yeah, I'm, in, uh, I'm getting my exercise, so I'm walking the dog. Okay. And, uh, plus, worry, this is man. a good I'm... coda because I think we started this podcast with me and you going with I sort of explaining the backstory of the Great Reset, which yes. we described as dumping you into the weirdest conversation in the history of Western civilization. In, in and, which uh, my phone overheated in my hand. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I still tell that story I... all the time. It, um, I, I, you know, I, the more they must maybe that was prefiguring. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that would be a very funny connection. Yes. Ah, so now that we've all cooled down, uh, did you want to try a stab at trying to, but to take a run yeah. at uh, the. I, mean, I think we worked through a lot of the the affront and the pain and the emotional uh, yeah. disconnect in the previous sessions, which are great. So my hope is that yes. now we can actually understand what was the differences in perspective or belief that sure. was the presenting cause, or maybe even the triggering yes. cause of that confusion. Great, good, uh, good idea, and to to go to go back to go backwards in time um, be, before the incident online uh, that caused a great disruption to us and to our group. So but before that point um, in time, um, we were communicating, you and I were communicating either in, in our TGR sessions or um, through ex text exchange and group me or through text messaging online. So that was some of the primary forms of, of communication. And um, the, so focusing first on um, text messaging communication, um, I go, okay, well, you know, I've been doing this for a while. Let, let's, let's explore this as a way of building relationship among, among people in the group and so on. So I was all on board. Uh, for that idea, and I was, you know, trying to exercise different ways in which that could happen, and you know, I throw something out that stimulates a conversation. Okay, here's something that we need, we could think about and really reflect on. And in the in the more serious topics, when I I I felt when I put something out to think about and and reflect on, um, the the answers that would come back from you. And then, and by extension, Bill, in a similar way, but let me focus on, I'm, I'm working with you on some ideas and you're engaging with me and you, you, you did a good job of saying, oh, I, I've read what you said, um, I see it, here's, here's how I'm thinking about it and have you considered and what about this? So that's a that's a, a general pattern. Does that does that seem an accurate statement of, of a generalization of the way that you typically responded to me and others in 
in yeah, the or if, if, if anything, that's probably a safe statement. That's what I aspire to. Uh, Great. So, okay. Yeah. So I wanted to make sure that I didn't have a misrepresentation and make sure that <clears throat> that I set the foundation correctly. Um, yeah, so, so good. In that, so in that exchange, there were a, a few times in which I said, "What? What's Ernie doing?" You, the the answer came came back. It's not it's not too much an answer. So I have to kind of clump a collection of them together. I started to perceive that you didn't like some ideas based upon a personal experience of why that word or that idea didn't work. And then we would begin to unpack it. Others in the group would add their, their insight as well. And so we're fleshing out an idea. I said, okay, we're, we're working towards, we're co-constructing meaning, which we had spoken about before in the larger group TGR sessions. So I said, okay, so we're co-constructing meaning. Okay, um, Ernie has a counterpoint. Others have some input. Um, there's different ways to define certain terms, and let's let's keep let's keep at this. Well, one of the downsides of text messaging or in group me is it it doesn't it's not threaded. It doesn't allow you to comment only on a certain part and then keep adding comments to it. It disappears right, or it goes as, off as your a, screen. By the way, as, as a technical point, we were still in iMessage back then. We were still on iMessage, so even... One of the reasons we moved to GroupMe and Igwet was we were wondering if we could uh, improve upon some of those limitations, but yes, minor technical <laughs> footnote, keep going. Um, but important because, tech, yeah, text messaging was, was like the worst culprit at, at, at trying to help us keep, keep track of things. And so it became frustrating. I said, okay, we're, we're running through a lot of ideas, but is anyone documenting what we just said so that we can refer back to it? And oftentimes the conversation would just go on to something else. I said, did we ever draw a conclusion from this? But we're on to something else. Time will go by. And then I said, well, wait a minute. Now I'm reading an exchange from Ernie, which still sounds like we're still wrestling with term terminology. I keep presenting an idea. Uh, I could be more, a little bit more specific. It's specifically around the role of uh, discipleship has a leader and an apprentice. And we seem to have a disagreement uh, about that. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I kept thinking, I don't think we have a disagreement. It just depends on how do you define the role of the person who is leading or the more knowledgeable other that led to the conversation about if you take a constructivist approach to what a leader does, then you see that they're working with the other person side by side in order to construct meaning and move forward on goals and objectives that, that the apprentice or the mentee might, might be developing. The roles could shift if you're talking about two peers. Anyway, the conversations through the limitations of text were going back and forth. And I could not grasp why there was an issue about a person designated as the leader. That's the whole construct of everything that I do in the world. Everything, Ernie. All of education is built on this idea. How you define the role of the leader um, varies in the same way that it varies in, in corporate and business world. And I believe we, we agree that there were wide variations. So I became exasperated at the ongoing back and forth about whether or not if we were focusing on discipleship, 
why the issue of, you know, who was in charge or who was leading the, the discipleship experience became such a such an issue. And that started my breakdown in in terms of um, feeling we were on the same foundational principles. So that's one big idea. And I should stop there because it's a big one. Yeah, no, it's a big one. And I think that, um, you know, let me say, you know, and I appreciate your use of the word breakdown in that uh, this is, I think that that narrative captures, I think, um, uh, it mirrors my perspective. The thing that is um, uh, uh, and first of all, uh, let me start by saying thank you for going through this process with me and thank you for summarizing that so well, uh, Janet. I think trust, uh, envious admiration for your summarization skills uh, in our, previous, <laughs> our prior call. And I think the thing that um, I want to apologize for, I don't know if I should, David would probably yell at me for apologizing, which probably means it's the right thing to do, um, is that um, I did not um, appreciate how uh, tendentious, is that the right word? Uh, controversial is not quite the right word, but uh, how um, 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 might be a good word for describing the word. The, the, how painful it is. So I have, as I am fond of saying, uh, unusual ideas about things, right? And one of the things that I tend to, I'm actually reasonably good from an intellectual perspective, understanding how far away my ideas are intellectually from other ideas. Mm. Okay. Not from, but but I, but I can assess it. But I. I tend to uh, vastly underestimate how far my ideas are emotionally from what other people believe. Oh, right. So I, I'm the sort of guy who'd go up to a, a football player, yeah. a football team, and someone may say, we're the greatest team ever. I said, well, you know, actually, you're about 73% <laughs> below even your own yes. team's best performance. And yes. uh, uh, you'd be surprised that they would be offended. Right. Well, yeah. you know, okay, because it's not just that I was correcting them, which is arrogant and annoying enough, but the fact that they were expressing something that was deeply emotionally meaningful to them, and I was trivializing it by reducing it to a numerical quantity. Um, uh, one wow, of the things that... I discussed with Janet mm. was that um, you know, as, as the first and for a long while only woman in our group, uh, one of the reasons why what was happening was so difficult is because I have a set of heuristics which generally enable mm -hmm. me to function in the world of men. Um, yes. And I have many fewer robust heuristics for dealing with the world of women. Okay. And so certain things that are generally true of the men in my acquaintance, most of whom are nerds and geeks, are, uh, you know, for example, not true of Janet. The fact that she would respond to some of my questions based on the emotion behind them rather than the words. Uh, was yes. just really disorienting to me. And you know, I'm still not sure if I am properly waiting that. So anyway, uh, that was all I wanted to say is that, yeah, I think that the, like we both probably underestimated the emotional dimension of the things we were talking about. Uh, that, would, that, would, that would be a good, that would be a fair statement. 
Yeah, and it's also true, uh, uh, for what it's worth, that, um, you know, I think I do disagree um, in some subtle but important ways with that common understanding of discipleship. And I'm really bad at explaining it. I'm trying to get better at it um, because it's very easy for me to speak incautiously and then to be heard uh, even more small errors accumulate, right? And my thinking is messy. My speaking is messy. The hearing on the other end is messy. And then the emotions tend to swamp everything. So um, you had a a right to be exasperated and frustrated. Um, and, you know, this is the thing we are trying to do now is to have that conversation, um, with a greater mindfulness of the emotional overtones. Nice. Uh, yes. Um, that was a good description that we, we were both emotionally connected to a component of this idea of discipleship, trying to help the other understand but the differences between them, um, between your viewpoint and my viewpoint, um, seemed frustratingly far apart, despite the effort we were making mm-hmm. to reach understanding. And I know that you were trying to reach understanding because I was reading your responses and, 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 and reframing um, mm-hmm. of, of the idea, seeking to unpack it and, and unfold it. <clears throat> This this gives me an opportunity to introduce a sub idea, and that was mm-hmm. in the oper- in the effort to reframe. It seems that your way of reframing it was to look for alternate definitions to the idea, the term, or the concept, either from um, ancient literature or from um, uh, the original writings of of the scriptures, wherever that verse might have come from, but it was New Testament Greek or comes from the original Hebrew. Um, and that became, it, be, it would delve into the etymolo- etymology and etymology. The, the etymology and the cultural meaning of, of words and ideas and which ones you felt more comfortable with um, also became a, a point of exasperation for, for me in terms of um, this this is such a it, it becomes such a narrow focus to to the idea, and I was frustrated that I couldn't draw you back out to the bigger idea, which is to say, it may take more than just a few words to describe what the leader of a discipleship group is from from my perspective and the ones that I have seen and experienced or know that others have done. It, it would take it would take paragraphs which then led me to spend more time writing out the ideas so that they could be looked at in the full context and then individual ideas could be commented on in a Google Doc rather than the flow of the text messaging exchanges. So I attempted to present something more concrete um, and you responded by reviewing and commenting and asking questions that were helpful to our attempts to co-construct meaning. So I can express my, you know, I'm simply expressing an area of frustration and I don't mean to imply that that you were wrong or I was right 
it just, this was a thing that rubbed me the wrong way. And I did not know quite how to articulate it. I wasn't finding the words to say to you, like I just did. This is what frustrates mm-hmm. me. Yeah. And uh, you know, I, that, yeah. Well, okay. So yeah, uh, and obviously we're skipping over all the uh, a lot of the drama, which is fine. I think one point that's worth making was that, from my perspective, uh, uh, I was not actually all that fond of the extended theological terminological discussion. But it seemed that some people wanted those. So I did not think that that was actually going to help you necessarily. So it was not like I was engaging in that to help you and I was surprised that you didn't. It's just that, you know, uh, in the reactive mode, the text messages encourage, like people seem to want to talk about this. So I was happy to engage in that. And I did find some things that were useful. Um, It's not like I intended to go in that direction and was therefore ignoring you because of it. Okay. Wow. I mean, I, I said, yeah, so a, like, for example, a, I've always said, yeah, I've said, I actually agree the definitions are mostly useless. Uh, oh. The, the, uh, so it was a thing that, you know, I would engage with people. So it seemed like half the group really wanted definitions, the other half was really frustrated with the definitions. I would go back and forth. Uh, the oh, thing that I look at okay. it as, you know, is, is from as a, media, as a media perspective, text messaging is really good for engagement. Uh, it's really bad for sustained dialogue. And yes. so I, yes. I, I, but you know, I tend to be much more uh, perhaps opportunistic, especially back then. It's like, mm-hmm. if anyone's willing to talk to me, I will engage in whatever format they're willing to engage on. Uh, okay, uh, meeting them so where, through their communication meet, meet, channels at, of where yeah. they are. Yeah, yeah. And I think that the, you know, especially earlier on in this experiment, like I knew I had a lot of crazy beliefs. I didn't know which ones were, you know, unusual, but in fact uh, were shared with a large population and which ones were truly out there and which ones were wrong. You know, I think one yeah. thing that okay. I learned, for example, during this dialogue uh, that I uh, had a different viewpoint on is that I'm actually not opposed to hierarchical authority structures. I'm opposed to hierarchical power structures. Oh, and okay. I use that terminology more you. consistently. And the two are often synonymous, which is why it's hard to distinguish between them. Yeah. But I realize what really bothers me is uh, when the power is hierarchical and authority resides within that power structure. Yeah. Uh, that is uh, the primary pathology that I'm concerned about escaping. And I feel like if I had talked that way, that would have avoided at least three episodes worth of confusion. I really appreciate that clarifying point about hierarchical authority structure versus hierarchical power structure. Um, And that they're often melted together in such a way that you can't extract one from the other once, once it exists. Yeah, so anyway. So I have a thought about um, the the specific issue of leadership and discipleship, uh, but I don't want to preempt anything you wanted to cover first. Um, Yeah, thank you. And I would, I, I don't, at this point, it's not, it's not worth a deeper reflection on 
what it was we were trying to say. I'm trying to focus on um, the, the, these were these were the catalysts for for conflicting ideas that mm -hmm. that I was that I was holding that I was holding on to as opposed to what is what is the resolution of of, of those ideas and and I, I don't I don't know I don't know what the resolution of the ideas would be I'm more interested in making sure that um, I'm I'm honoring your your request and also finding um, good process within myself to say what was mm -hmm. bothering me and and mm. let me let me let me follow Ernie's sincere lead in wanting to know um, I can learn something from this and um, I will get a chance to understand Ernie better by by saying like putting a card down on the table saying well this bothered me and this is how I responded to it. This is how I thought you responded. And then that, mm. that the deck of cards is the thing that kind of built up. All right. So in the spirit of trying to understand that, uh, maybe it was worth revisiting this question is, so I could see that the text messaging thing was not working for you and making you frustrated. Right? Correct. And therefore, go ahead, please. Okay. So yeah. So uh, on one side of that for me is that you would like very, uh, emphatically state an answer uh, to a point that I didn't think I was trying to make, which made me feel like, okay, there's something <laughs> askew here. And that is when I reached out. So you mentioned how chat messaging was not a good format for this thing and that you prefer the Google Doc approach. Uh, do you think you can address the question of why you didn't feel comfortable engaging in a, dial in a verbal dialogue? Um... Yes, I, I believe I can. I can answer that. Let me let me give that let me give that a try. Um, so we are we are still speaking about a time before. Did, did I initiate that music, Ernie? Are you still there? Yeah, I'm down. Sorry, are, I pushed the wrong there, button Ernie? on my. Yeah, I Aha! did the equivalent of a pocket dial. Sorry about that. No worries. Got it. Understood. Um, so in the in the in your earliest attempts to say, hey Steve, let's talk about this. Um, I chose not to talk about it because I needed to write about it. I needed. I felt I needed to collect the ideas around the subject of discipleship so that I was not caught in the thing that I don't like doing, which is having endless conversation and debate about conversations that we're having and the meanings of things without it being documented so that I could refer to it later as evidence of what did we say and how did we say it? So I said, well, let me just say it. I'll just take this paper that I've been working on for you know the last year and I'll accelerate my progress on it and start putting all the ideas out there. Then there's something more concrete to work from, to disagree with, to edit and to change and to get the co-constructed meaning. But I could not, I can't do that conversationally. So I just said, this isn't, there's no point in me talking about it. I need to stop talking. I need to do something. So I decided to become the man of action towards writing as opposed to conversation, which is, in many ways, Ernie, I think you you you'll go. Oh yeah, that's a professor kind of thing to do. 
Yeah, it reminds me of the uh, the old joke we had at university. Oh, I'm so sorry you have that problem. Here, read this book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, but that yes, that bad. answered my question. Yeah. So uh, let me just say what it. Let me say how I perceived it, which may not be accurate, but just to give you my emotional state oh. at the time. I think that. Oh, uh, uh, okay. Fair is that what I perceive this as Stephen uh, has things he believes that he feels are at variance with those of the group. And my read on it, which again, I'm not saying this was fair, uh, was that he is not secure enough in those ideas to share them with us in a way where we can challenge them. So he's going to wait until he has this ironclad uh, argument convincing himself he's correct um, uh, before he lets us talk with him. Again, I'm not saying that's fair, but that was my thinking at the time. Um, it, it's, a, it's important to know that that was your perception that helps me understand a lot of the reaction. And it's not an unfair conclusion to, to draw, but you already stated um, it's, it, it's hard to really know unless you have a conversation. And we, we didn't have a conversation. So you were you had formulated an idea about what I was doing, which in part is true, but not entirely. And you operated from there, just like I was operating from an idea. Right. The other thing I, I realized you that you said now, which I didn't really appreciate, and you probably hinted at this, but I'm sure you said it hopefully I probably forgot it if you had, was that you've been working on this paper for a year. Yeah. Long before the Great Reset happened, you were asking certain questions. Yeah, about discipleship. Mm -hmm. Right. And what's interesting is that that actually makes a lot of this make a lot more sense to me because I would think that, well, the way I would handle this problem is I would write a blog post of three or four paragraphs saying, this is what I think the question is and this is what I think the answer is. Right. Because as a blogger, as my part of my identity these days, that is the tool yeah. I reach to to solve problems like this. And therefore, it was mystifying to me why, you know, we would get a, a eight-page paper which appeared to tangentially touch on a few of the issues in the opening and closing paragraphs, but understanding the, both the intellectual framework you're working from and the historical uh, uh, thing you have been writing, that actually makes it, a lot, uh, makes it much more sensible to me. Um, I, I I think that I think it's good that um, you 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 were able to grasp a different understanding of what I was what I was doing and perhaps why. Um, yeah, that there are other motivations at work than the one I was narrowly focused on, and that's something I can easily fall into valuing everything through my specific lens and not being generous about other people's lenses. Mm. Um, those are two. So, so, so far, we've touched on two, possibly three of um, points of contention that I felt be between us that at the time I couldn't quite articulate. So I moved into um, writing mode 
to let me let me figure out how to write write out these ideas instead of using text messaging. And then I just retreated from the the text exchange world uh, with the with the group. Spending that time, just let me put let me put these ideas together from the different sources that I'm reading and referencing. Um, there's more that I could I I could say, but I'm I'm not sure where in the conversation how we should continue or or shift. I'm checking in with you. Yeah, so I feel like um, actually let me well, let's take a meta level up. Do you have a particular goal you'd like to achieve from this conversation? Uh, okay. Um, yes. And I think, let's see if I can articulate the goal, or is there more questions you would like to ask before I begin trying to answer that one? No, I think answer that one first. Oh, okay. That'll shape um, all the others. <laughs> uh, okay. I, I look forward to this conversation. Um, for much the same reason that you had said, which was, okay, we, we get past the emotional part. What were the ideas that we had disagreements on that, that I held on to, did not discuss with you, I held on to them, this was, this was part of the forgiveness thing, and I let them build up. And that's what I'm describing. And I thought today I could, I could be more specific about what those ideas that I felt were in that we were in disagreement about not trying to resolve them, just trying to name them and declare them what they are. Uh, I did not believe that I would get through a, a, a long list, but I said, maybe we can just hit some of the important ones. Time would run out and we might, you know, we might've done a lot. Uh, I thought we would make great progress in any case. Okay, thank you. So from my perspective, and if we wanna spend the time on that, I'm totally fine with it. Um, I think the issue, that you, this question of uh, uh, discipleship and leadership, and even formulating that question in a mutually satisfactory way, is what I think our primary intellectual stumbling block was. Yeah. And so I good, would, good uh, if we could um, articulate, uh, so I would prefer to spend, uh, if you have other issues you want to bring up, I'm hoping that I would be happy just to articulate to see if we could agree, agree about where we disagree on that topic, that would be a significant achievement. Oh. Not so much to reconcile, okay. but to at least uh, reach some level yeah. of, or, of narrowing down the space of disagreement. So that was okay. my interest. Let me, so, okay, yeah, let, let, oh, that's great. Um, let, let me follow your lead on 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 figuring figuring out the next part of our conversation and trying to parse and pull apart and understand the the opposing issues all right i have a a a framework that i use which is probably may well be something you don't agree with but i'm hoping at least it will be coherent and okay. that might help provide a a place for uh, constraining uh, the discussion, or at least shaping the discussion. Okay. Are you up for that now? Yes. All right. So this is the issue that, uh, if you may remember, on your paper, you had a discussion about Paul and Timothy. Oh yeah, Paul and Timothy. Yeah. Right. And and you mentioned that as an example of discipleship. And I asked the question. Um, yes. 
Do Paul and Timothy ever refer to their relationship as discipleship, or is that an inference we are making? Yes, uh, I remember the question. Do you remember your answer? Um, I know what I would say now, but I do not remember specifically how I answered, but I'm sure if I opened the document, my answer would still be there. Sure, but what do you I mean? I'm sure I'm actually very more curious about how you would answer the question now. Um, it's an it's an inference based upon the relationship that they had as described in Paul's letters, and then in um, the two letter in other Paul letters, as well as in the two letters to Timothy. Everything they did right. and how they did it is is an indication of a discipleship relationship. Okay, so. Good. So, yeah, and uh, you, you had a, a much more long-winded way of saying the same thing in the document. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, which was basically like, well, of course it's discipleship. Everyone's always talked about this as discipleship. Um, um, but they didn't actually say it. And so the, so the um, and, okay, so th this is, uh, here is my interpretation, right? So this is an attempt to okay. interpret scripture uh, based on what the text says and my own mental frameworks that I bring to it, okay? The way I characterize and the way I think Paul himself characterizes his relationship with Timothy is something I call spiritual fathering. And this okay. is a term that is used in various ways, both in church history and today. Uh, yes. And for me, the essence of spiritual fathering is you have someone who has uh, no experience of Jesus, and no experience of what it means. This could be someone who is a new believer, someone who is a child growing up in our homes, and someone who is uh, coming out of a dysfunctional or toxic situation. And they just need someone they can cling to that they can trust. And that relationship, um, may very well endure through a lifetime after the person reaches maturity of someone being their spiritual father. So I, you know, I don't often use this terminology, but in some ways I'm a spiritual father to David Huffman. And because of that, yeah. I can speak into his life uh, in certain ways. And he receives that from me uh, gratefully. And it has changed from when we were in college and I was three years older than him. And that was a big deal to now. Oh, okay. Uh, mm -hmm. Right. So I mean, I, I bluntly told him it's kind of painful uh, for both of our memories, but uh, that like he wasn't really my friend. He was my disciple because he would bring oh, all his problems to me and yeah. I would not bring any of my problems to him. Right. It was very much an asymmetric right. relationship. And now it's very much very different. We are definitely friends. I lean on him on the shoulder quite a bit after particularly traumatic PGR sessions. <laughs> and so it's much more egalitarian relationship, but there is still this just because of the incredible impact I've had on his life. And you know, that's the relationship I aspire to with my children, right? Um, is that, yes, I'm going to be a father figure. And that, that is something that is important. Uh, but but I, I very, I, 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 to avoid confusion, I use the term spiritual fatherhood for that kind of relationship. Okay. Okay. And that seems like a not you. inappropriate term. Okay, good. Uh, correct. Oh. It's not an inappropriate term. 
Okay. So there is something else. And to make it poignant, there is something else that we are trying to do here uh, in the Great Reset. Uh, I was telling uh, a friend of mine, actually whining about it, is that like the people we have in the Great Reset are some of the most knowledgeable, most devoted, most passionate followers of Jesus I have ever met. And pretty much everyone here has thought deeply about their faith and uh, invested very heavily in trying to glorify God and spread his kingdom. Um, and would you, are you comfortable with that assessment and being included in that? Um, yeah, for all the people that, that I know, this is a fair assessment of, of each person. Yeah, okay. And yet, we are driving each other crazy. Uh, okay. Which is, like, you know, uh, would you disagree with that assessment? <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I agree, I agree crazy. with the assessment. I, I, I thought okay, like, like, okay, so here is the, here is the question. Right. Um, most traditional discipleship models that I have seen employed are what I would call fall into the category of what I would call spiritual fathering, where one person who is implicitly, and this is the key word, implicitly trusted as being reliable and trustworthy helps establish the ground rules and norms of behavior. And as I said before, I think that's a really important and useful thing to do. The, the practical problem I have is that for a group like this, that does not appear to be an option. I cannot think of anyone that any of us in this group would trust implicitly to fulfill that role. Uh, correct. I, I agree with that. Right. So then the question is, on the other hand, I think it is no longer a controversial statement to say, you know, we could use some help to become more like Jesus. Uh, that's always true, man. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, it is always true. People are not always willing to accept. And let me tell you, actually, the counterpoint that uh, this is happening often enough, I'm starting to call it reformer's disease. And this happens to me periodically where people will say, wow, if you would just do this thing that I'm really good at, that would solve all your problems. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. Right? And so we have our mm -hmm. stick. And it's like, hey, I'm glad we all have our stick, okay? But the problem, and I think this is endemic, because I've noticed it in myself quite a bit, and I hang out in reformer circles all the time, it's that it takes so much psychic energy to believe that we are right when everyone else says we're wrong, that it requires a deep level of conviction and emotional investment in, in are contrarian ideas. Um, and the problem is, I think that we have invested so much, we fall into these sunk cost fallacy that we hate to not use it, even if it's the wrong tool for the job. And the, the, the symptom of this, oh, and you, I'm sure you've seen this, is that when people's problems don't match our solution, we blame them. Uh, I follow you. Yes, I would agree. Very common. 
And so before we talk about answers, this is the question that uh, I have been wrestling with and trying to own and even trying to articulate is what do we do when A, the conventional answers um, no longer apply and the reformers' answers are, uh, including my own, are shaped and distorted by their personal experience. Yes. And the closest thing I have to an answer, or at least sounds like it's in the right direction, is when Jesus said, whoever would become my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Yeah. So the the question I'm trying to figure out is how to operationalize that in a way that doesn't devolve back into some form or another of spiritual fathering. Not that the spiritual fathering is bad, it's just limited. Um, yeah, it is, it, is, it is limiting and it can't, it can't be the only way, but perhaps it's one of the methodologies that a person uses uh, to grow spiritually and to help others to grow spiritually. Yeah, and I think I look at it as the, and you know, the thing about spiritual fathering, and I think you probably know this more of a father as I do, is that um, it's actually really helpful for other people to have someone they don't have to think about trusting and to uh, kind of be the focus of all the aggression and the frustration and fear. Um, but that the uh, harder thing is when it's really hard on the father. <laughs> Uh, especially, I mean, it's bad enough now. I can't imagine it was yeah. like in earlier days when there was this aura uh, of invincibility <laughs> and perfection that they had to maintain. Um, you listen to that Who Better Song, Superman, it's not easy being me. Right, yeah. Um, which is basically about the uh, birth of a child. Um, in the music video, it's, it's explicit. But anyway, um, and so that is the thing, uh, to maybe close the gap with, that I was reacting to is that what I heard you defending and describing, including in that paper, is what I would call spiritual fathering. And like, it's good, uh, but there's two, um, uh, there's sort of two critiques I have of that. One is that it doesn't work in our current context because there's no one who could take that role. And two, it is dangerous in that the ways it has typically been practiced is that it becomes in this, I'm the hammer, why aren't you a nail phenomena. And I think I understand why and even sympathize, but that if this is the program and it doesn't work for you, you're the problem. Um, I guess that's one critique. And then the second critique is that if it does work, then even when it works well, I have not seen it 
transition people well from being a disciple of this father figure to being a disciple of Jesus. So those were my, that is my refined perspective after all the reflection we have gone through. And I yeah. guess my critique yeah. of the model as I saw presented in your paper. And I'm curious, given where you are at and we are at, uh, which of those um, we have some common ground on and which of those are things that will require uh, um, different ways to work um, with or around. Thank, thank you for the reflective moment to um, to to reply. Um, be, before I offer a reply to, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, by the way, also like I'm happy to if you want more time and you want a different format to reply, I am totally open to that. Uh, so there's no pressure to apply in real time, and I could you know write down my notes and send them to you for your reflection. So no, uh, we no. reply online or via a Google Doc. I want to be sensitive yeah. to your format preferences. Thank you. Appreciate that. Um, I I have I have a two part reply. For, first is, um, if the conversation about discipleship is really meaningful to you or the group, I would. I would be glad to talk more. At this point, and as I expressed earlier in our TGR session, um, it does not, it no longer seems to be the focal point of what we are doing or what we are, we're not trying to form a model of discipleship around a specific structure. So that's in my reply to DJs why I stopped talking about it. It just didn't seem to be relevant to the whole group any longer. So I, I can answer the questions. I can give you a, my perspective of what you just said, but I'm not sure that it's beneficial towards, it's beneficial for us to try to shape an understanding of discipleship if that is not what we're trying to do for the whole group. Ah, let me make it more blunt then. Okay. I okay. think we as a group, um, desperately need to learn how to work together to help each other grow closer to Jesus. That is at the root of our internal problems within the group. And I'm strongly speaking, suspect is at the root of many other problems that we are dealing with personally and professionally. And so I think anything that helps us grow closer to Jesus work together to go closer to Jesus is absolutely on topic and would greatly reduce my blood pressure and be a benefit to everyone in the group. Uh, whether that is the same thing as understanding a model of discipleship is a valid question. Yeah. Wow. Um... Perhaps this will lead me to offer um, just an initial reflection on the viewpoints uh, that you made. Um, one, 
uh, point that I believe you made is that the model of discipleship as I wrote it is um, what you would call spiritual father. Um, is that mm-hmm. a valid point number one? Yeah, that's what I perceived it as. Okay. Then the next point that you made is um, that, let's see, it's a danger, it's, 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 dangerous in in the way that it has been practiced and that as you have seen it in so many settings where the the one who is doing the fathering or the leading is hammering um, ideas and principles in a in a kind of common and rote way because that's kind of what hammering that's the connotation of yeah, hammering uh, to I me. would I would uh okay that's not what I was that's not my critique you Okay, good good time to clarify. Can, 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 let me clarify. Is that my point with the model is not that it's done badly. Um, my point, and I'll try and be explicit about this because I think it's important, is that the model is based upon implicit trust in the wisdom uh, of the leader of the father figure. Okay. Yeah, because I, I experienced this under an incredibly wise and gentle uh, servant of God, who I've often described as you know, far more godly Christian than me, um, and okay. you know, very generous, humble, and vulnerable. But at the same time, to me, the, the key design flaw, if you will, in that model, or the key limitation, is that it requires implicit trust in the authority of the father figure. Implicit trust in the authority of the father figure. Um, I didn't. So my my um, uh, my experience was not like that, and I never would add that as part of the definition of what of what it means for that father figure in a discipleship experience. Um, I would object. I would. I would object to it, just like you are. What? Not but I mean, the trust. Well, so it's not explicit, right? That's the whole point of it being explicit. Of course, you can't say it. But what implicit trust I mean is that that this. I mean, the way I felt the the way I perceived the document was these are the set of things you need to know, which implicitly means that uh, a this is all you need to know, B, this is correct, and C, I am right. Uh, interesting. So you, so that implies, so you're saying you didn't see it as an opportunity to like lump of clay to begin shaping and, and drawing out parts and pieces that work? because it's just a description of discipleship as it worked for one pastor, as I experienced it, and then reflections from people outside of us who look at discipleship in a similar way with different viewpoints, but still looking right. at the and, same thing. And that, that's why I did it, was here's a, here's a point right, of conversation. But, 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 but that wasn't what, uh, I mean, that was not my experience in interacting you with the document. And maybe that was because of the other emotional issues around there. Uh, Okay. You know, it wasn't like, 
I mean, the, the way I heard you describe it to me was this is what I believe the Holy Spirit is saying. And uh, if you are hearing the Holy Spirit, then we, you can join with me to implement this. And maybe I misheard uh, you because of my own emotional state at the time. Wow. Um, yeah, it doesn't, I could be wrong, but it doesn't sound like an approach that I would take to, especially to that particular document, which, okay, which so was not a perfect so, so that document was not by your intent, Whether or not you said something along that line. Okay. So what you, you felt. Right. But, but let me be clear about my objection. Okay. It's not even okay. that like, Oh, so it's only like, yes, you're not saying that this is perfect or written in stone, right? I get that. But the idea, I mean, I think this is the, the key phrase you use was someone more knowledgeable. Yeah, yeah, I kept trying to find different words to, instead of calling them the authority or calling them the leader, I fell so into, was, but, it seems like, I'm listening. And the other point about that is that, like, this was all content. This is a set of doctrines and skills and beliefs and things like that. So I naturally, and maybe this is incorrectly, inferred that the person more knowledgeable about that list of content would be the right person to put together that list. Interesting. Did you mean something different? Um, I just had not thought about it that way. I simply thought about it as, well, nobody else is writing this. I'm skilled. I'm qualified. I've experienced this. I have these books. I have the text. I have a perspective. Maybe I'm supposed to do it. Maybe hmm. that's the gift. Okay. Maybe that's what, that's what I'm supposed to bring to this group because no one else is doing it. And it's completely frustrating to me that I don't have something in writing to work with. And then we just end up having more and more conversations that's not being documented and therefore can't be verified. Right. Well, but here's the question. Did you believe the doc? Okay. This is maybe this is a hard question. Did you believe that if you just explained things more clearly and people believed you that that would be sufficient? Uh, yes. I'm an educator. That's what I always believe. Right. Do you remember season two? I think I think you were there for that one where I basically said, you know, I think I, at the end of the day, I came in, you know, I think education is the problem, not the solution. Uh, no, that's that's interesting. Education, yeah, it's definitely problematic. But but no, just to, so by definition, so I did. This is where etymology comes in, and the cultural context matters. So this, this, my understanding is that the word and the context was uh, for Roman, young Roman noblemen, in order to conform to society, they needed to become educated. They need to learn to speak Greek. They need to learn how to argue. They need to learn how to put their right forks in the right place or whatever it is they did so that they would fit into society and be able to advance themselves and represent their family. That was okay. the purpose of education. Right? Uh, and I, education. I can follow that. 
you know, again, this may be unfair, but what, what I read was that that was the same word used for leading a young animal by a rope. Is that you have to train, you have to civilize these young men, and you know, having raised a son, I can sympathize with that <laughs> sentiment. Okay. Uh, you know, um, and it's like, okay, I can see how it is very valuable for society to do that, and that making that available to more people is a good thing. Even now, being able to get uh, into a good college and, and is a great ticket out of poverty for you know many young people. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. The problem is for many. Yeah, I'm not saying. I'm saying it, it, it does many good things. Um, but the uh, implicit message of that is that we are society. We know what is good for you, and we have a right to judge you by your conformance to this idea. And I am not aware of anything that calls itself education that does not implicitly hold those beliefs. Oh, okay. I, I've heard this, this, this concept of the, uh, this idea um, before, we, and we have talked about it. Um, mm -hmm. And so, and, and even now I'm coming, I'm going, oh, you just shift to a constructivist viewpoint and you get away from that sense of authority as the problem with what's wrong with education. And then last time we, we spoke, um, I understood that you were not comfortable with the, with the idea of what a constructivist learning experience is. And so now I'm all out of ideas. There, there are oh, many here's the thing, so, so, so Actually, no, here, here's, here's, maybe we'll leave it at this stuff, is that I remember you saying to me when I tried to use constructivism to defend what I was trying to do, as you say, constructivism is not the right foundation or something, I forget what it was, kingdom of God or for building the church or building a theology or whatever, is that you were the one who said that uh, you were objecting to a constructivist approach to establishment. Oh, I do not do recall remember? that I... Right, so like, yeah, so this, this is what, okay, so this is interesting because if I can resolve this conundrum, that would almost make progress. It's like, okay, uh, if you want to label what I'm doing constructivism, I don't object. Then what I would say is that the sort of curriculum you presented in that paper seemed very non-constructivist to me. Exactly. It isn't. I didn't and is that a good thing a or a bad thing? It's a thing that was meant to be discussed and addressed and molded into what TGR was, was trying to do. I understand wanna, many of the flaws. Us to, okay. Uh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt your question. All right, we're, we're, I think we're both, we may be violently agreeing and so I get excited. Um, well, let, I, I let think me you frame it in the positive question. Would you okay. be in favor of us trying to co-develop a constructivist approach to discipleship? Um, two parts to that answer. I, I was in favor of it when I wrote the paper. I am no longer in favor of it today. Ooh, okay. Weird. I would have thought the opposite. This is fascinating. So you're saying you, I, you wrote the paper, especially I've heard you correctly. 
yes. you wrote the paper when you were in, when you wrote the paper, you were in favor of constructivist approach. The paper itself does not represent a constructivist approach. And now you're not in favor of a constructivist approach. No, that that isn't what I meant by anything. That okay, I good. Said. So I'm confused. Has, okay, sorry. Yeah, yeah. It has nothing to do with constructivism. It has everything to do with why did I write the paper? Why why did I finish it out? So that it would be a basis of conversations like the one that you and I are having to see how can parts and pieces of this work for what we are trying to do to co-construct something different and better. Okay. That that was oh, my my purpose and my intent. And you're saying that's changed. And then, uh, yes, I am no longer interested in doing such a thing. Okay. Just as a practical matter of now, or you actually don't think it's a good thing to do in general, even apart from you? Yes. Okay. So what I'm hearing is that you now believe that it is wrong-headed to pursue a constructivist approach to discipleship uh no i'm oh, not okay, i'm sorry. not addressing i'm not i'm only talking about do i want to work on the paper no i do not want to work on the paper no, 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 I, do I, don't, I don't want to work on the paper either but okay, let me rephrase my question as the practical oh, and okay if that helps us get a more direct answer so from my perspective uh we in the Great Reset in particular, and the body of Christ in general, we need to grow closer to Jesus. Sure, yes. And the existing practices that I am aware of have reached the point of diminishing returns for doing this. And so I am looking for new, or at least new to me, um things to do things we can do together and help us get better at growing closer to jesus i um have reason to believe as i said before that the spiritual fathering models a have a number of serious flaws but b more importantly uh, are impossible to implement within our current context because there's no one who could take that leadership role. Um, I am open to other ideas of what would solve uh, this need. And I'm curious if you have anything to offer. Um, in reply, yes. So there, there's... Um... You used a phrase, you said, for things to do together. And therein lies a great opportunity. If we did things together, if we were using our spiritual gifts, if we're, if we're working in a ministry, we would have great opportunities uh, to grow closer to Jesus and to understand one another better. I don't know if that's possible given that we live remotely from one another. Okay, well let me let me be let me make the the rule the the request more strict, okay? Um there's two things. One um
these are things we could do together for an hour or two once a week. I know that's a high call. But, you know, it's a, it's a tough design constraint, but I know you've worked under tougher design constraints before, Stephen. I'm not gonna leave you out of it that easily. Um, but the second one is looking back on your experiences with the Great Reset. Yes. And I think I'm just gonna leave this as an open question because I think it's an important enough question that I don't wanna get a snap answer. Okay. Um, I'm sorry for the ways I've hurt you, and I know that you're sorry for the ways you've hurt me. You and I have studied under some of the greatest men of God and men of faith, uh, building on a 2,000-year-old intellectual tradition, and we were completely flat-footed. Is there anything we can do to show those that come after how not to make those same mistakes? I see how this this question ties into the long-standing question that we have been working with as a group. You've now applied it to um, um, giving guidance to to those who come after us. So this is the first time we talked about you know the implications for those who follow, as opposed to those who are currently with us or participate in a shorter time frame. Very interesting. Um, I I do not know how to achieve two of the goals that you described with, without the context of being elbow to elbow in the hard work of ministering to the people that God has called us to. Which can't yeah. can't quite be can't quite be us. It needs to be external from us. Right. But there is a thing that has happened. There are things that have happened uh, on these calls yeah. and you know within between Emiliana and Janet. So clearly uh, yeah. it is possible for things to happen. Um uh, yes. Right. And you know, and you know, maybe all this left is our history, but it, it occurs to me, and uh, let me end with another um, wordplay game just for fun. Um, is, uh, as I understand it, there's two different words for teach. One is oh, yeah. uh, like, like a uh, open vessel, uh, a full vessel pouring into an empty vessel. I have all this knowledge, I'm just gonna pour it into you. Yeah, I, I've um, seen that meme. And, but the other one is of uh, walking somewhere with somebody and say, hey, you see that? That's called a red-breasted sparrow. It's pointing things out. And the thing that I, frankly, am desperate for personally and would love to see in the world that my children inherit is that, you know, looking back, you and I can see where our conversation went wrong and where we did things that ended up confounding our higher purpose and kept us from loving more like Jesus. What if there was a way to teach that in the second sense of the word? Not in terms of like, oh yeah, we've got this all figured out, just memorize these steps and you'll be fine. But hey, you see that? That's what that's called. That one's poisonous. That one gives you life. 
And because right now I feel like I'm a blind man with my uh, head in a sensory deprivation helmet, walking through a minefield, trying to figure out how to love people, not sure where the next step is going to blow up in my face. Yes. Yeah. And it seems like we ought to be able to do better than that. And I feel like, and for me, like the critical part of this is that we all see things the other people don't. Yes. In ourselves and in others. And we don't have, we're getting there. We've, we've had some fits and starts in that direction. But we don't have a good way of tapping into that collective intelligence to help us not just see ourselves and see each other, but most importantly, see Christ. Because the thing that, you know, the, 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 the harshest statement I can make about spiritual fatherhood is that okay. you don't have to know Jesus to teach it. I have seen, and I know seminary professors who don't believe in Jesus. But they still teach yeah, really good. Too bad. Right? I mean, yeah. And the question is, you know, is that, like, there's a way... There has to be a way. And, you know, the thing about, you know, I guess my other point is that Jesus, as far as I can tell, did not have a curriculum. He had some themes. Uh, correct. He responded to. And so um, I feel like, you know, growing up evangelical, evangelicals are really good at, you know, the epistles and cherry picking the gospels. <laughs> uh, they skip over all the miracles. And the cross is something you do once when you join the, the tribe. Hmm. And it's like, you know. Interesting perspective. Have you had a different experience of evangelicals than that? Uh, completely. Yes. Oh, really? But don't how, be surprised. How, 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 well, I'm actually encouraged then. Okay, can you show me how you would uh, give me the equivalent rendering of your perspective? Um, the... My perspective is shaped, as I as I have described before, through my experiences through Peninsula Bible Church, of which I am still part of um, an offshoot of that mm -hmm. today. And I've had other church experiences in between. Mm -hmm. So so grow, so it's a non-denominational church, first of all, and 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 mm -hmm. I hung out there because mm -hmm. it's non-denominational. Mm -hmm. um, the evangelical side is no the the, the cross is front and center all the time. Everything mm. about the entire Old Testament to the New Testament points to Jesus Christ and His fulfillment mm -hmm. of 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 God's work that He started in creation is through Jesus Christ, and our salvation is an understanding what is this legacy of relationship that that God has been making with man. And how does it affect me today in understanding who Jesus Christ is, who died on a cross? So it's always, so in my entire experience, 30 plus years, um, uh, the cross is front and center. Um, to accomplish the work of being, of becoming more like Jesus is to um, do what he did of others in a way that he did it unconditionally with kindness, um, with gentleness, wisdom, mercy, uh, to the best of our human ability, which means 
we're going to fail. And when we do, he's standing right there ready to forgive. We just need to ask. So that's that's a very simple, simple version of my evangelical viewpoint. Not fully developed. I just never put it together quite that way until you asked me. You know, it's not bad. I, I have high respect for PBC and especially their, I know the, the pastor worked on the Psalms. Um, so can I be just personal and emotional and possibly inappropriate? Okay, thanks for the warning. Like all of that is true. And yet what push came to shove, you didn't manifest that. You manifested something else. And I think we all do when push comes to shove. Oh, okay. And I mean, again, that may be petty and unfair, but I think it's true. In, in, you know, when the boiling point with my relationship with you hit a certain level, um, something else came out. And I think the fact that you dealt with it, once, you know, I apologized and you were able to apologize, I think you dealt with it masterfully and brilliantly and a great testimony to your training and your, your, your own character. And I uh, don't want to disrespect or dismiss that because that has been a hard walk for thousands of years to carry on that tradition and that legacy. But I still feel like it's fair to ask the question, um, how is it possible for us to create a community of faith where we are not blindsided like that. Again, this okay. may be just me being whiny, but um, leaving that mode, what? I'm open to your response. Can you help me define what is the blindsiding? The fact that you were furious at me for what it appears to be was a being on the wrong side of a conversation with you about with yourself about constructivism, leading to um, you know a I mean I believe you called me get me behind me Ernie, which I think is about as strong a rebuke as you can get to. Uh, yeah, it was a pretty strong one. Doesn't, yeah, doesn't so mean that, as we as we discussed doesn't mean it was right or um at, as, at, okay so, go ahead yeah so I, I think the um and then not really having a context i mean we've been struggling as a group to process it and i think we have and you know your graciousness and david johnson's efforts have all been critical in that but it's like you know um i mean we handled this right uh this is not the only time I have seen this. Um, maybe you've been in a church where this does not happen, uh, but I have been in some incredibly well-run, very mature, very accountable churches uh, where okay. uh, this happens, where either a member has this issue and they get kicked out, 
or a leader has this issue and it's tolerated um, and um, I was talking about this with, with David Johnson. It's like if someone has uh, a fleshly problem like um, gambling or pornography or alcohol, we have the Celebrate okay. Recovery 12-step programs. But if someone is just a jerk or hard to deal with, um, our instinctual response seems to be um, to separate ourselves from them. We don't seem to have confidence that we have the competence to come alongside sinners and love them into growing up after a certain point, really after youth group. <laughs> and I don't know, I don't even know what that should look like, but it seems necessary if we're gonna become the body of Christ that God wants us to be. And if you if you know something, so I guess the first question is, do you agree that that is a real problem or is this just some weird isolated thing that I seem to run into? Um, I, Ernie, I can, I can well imagine that many churches are uncomfortable dealing with the person who, who is just a jerk or an unpleasant kind of character to be around, that, that they would have a negative reaction to them and not want them to be a part of their fellowship. How am I doing? Am I understanding that correctly? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I may have used overly colorful language. Let me put it this way. Is um, um, uh, well, let me be more precise then, because this is the one that I tend to run into the most. The sin of anger. Um, someone who, when they are uh, triggered in a certain way, explodes. Um, okay. Um, which, you know, not saying necessarily the internal mechanism, but externally similar to what you did during our group session. Yes, very, very human kind of a thing. Not yeah. a very godly kind of thing. You know, there's a few instances of godly anger, but that wasn't necessarily one of them. That wasn't one of them right there. Okay. Yeah, and that, um, I don't know um, of a good practice for either, I, mean, I feel like we have cobbled together a non-sucky practice or, or a not horribly failed practice for dealing with what happened between us. And I'm grateful and impressed by that. Uh, but I agree it was a really messy, ugly hack that just by the grace of God happened to work. Um, that's still way better than most people in the group had ever seen it happen uh, oh, because okay. there does not seem to be a... Uh, um, a uh, a well-defined practice for how to respond to things like that, especially when it involves a leader on one side or the other. Oh, um, yeah. And the second thing is that what could we have done beforehand that might have prevented that? Yes. And I, I, I thought that there was uh, one, one way was having these kinds of conversations about the differences rather than letting them build up. Right. There's um, probably many so other that, strategies that, 
Right. And, 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 it, 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 and this, but this is actually the poignant one on my side, right? Like, I feel like this is something I'm going to wrap this up. Um, literally, I'm going to call in one minute. Um, is that oh, okay. I think these are important questions, and I could use your help in trying to find answers. And think about if these are things that you actually feel like there is something there that you have to say, or God might have you say. Um, I think we need to come back to the subject of the thing you're describing as being blindsided. Um, and then I think you are applying that to me because of my description of being in a, um, having been shaped by, by PBC. And right, you, yeah. you gently, you gently asked if you could say that and I received it with gentleness, but I would disagree. Okay. I mean, I can, no, 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 I can no, no, disagree and still give you examples. Sure. But you know, my point was, is that I felt blindsided by your explosion and I think you were blindsided too. Um, so if you're, th if you're thinking about the context of that rebuke, um, mm -hmm. that is not something that PBC says is a good thing to do. I mean, the only way yeah. I know that is not a good thing no, is no. because they train me in how to study the scriptures. <laughs> right, yeah. So, oh, so you yeah, got the not... law. You got the law about doing that, but you didn't seem to have the grace to do it. And that's the thing I'm wondering if we could pull off. How do we give people the grace to... Yeah. Um, anyway, I think I got to run on that note. I apologize. You bet. No worries. God bless you. We, Thank we've you so had much a very... Time, you bet. Have a great day, Ernie. All right. Talk to you later. Bye. Thank you.